0: This is the main
4: event. Bonus! (laughs) (laughs) Throw me a freaking bonus
5: here. This is your main event bonus podcast, brought to you by Belly Up Unhinged Radio Network Sports. I'm your first host, lifelong wrestling fan, former radio guy, cat dad, and the man who will take his weekend off, but knows that training for next year's Thanksgiving starts on Monday. I am Troy, and with me as always is the main event collector and figure hunting warrior, he's the WCW, watcher of classic wrestling, and the Shane Douglas to my Johnny Ace, Cowabunga Greg!
2: Cut the no. F in the intro. <laughs> yep. Oh, man, the uh, Wrong Shane, oh, wrong era, but... I feel it works.
5: Yeah, right. Uh, is this mullet Shane, uh, skinny short hair Shane, uh, is gonna look like Triple H in about two years, Shane? Or...
2: Uh, did you hit jobber Shane in WWF in nineteen ninety ninety
5: one? Yeah. Uh, is, is is this uh, Dean Douglas? That you know, we all know that was the best of Shane Douglas. Was you know Dean Douglas?
2: Well, so it's the only time he got recognized, but
5: yeah. Wow. Uh, I didn't realize that, like, until later on, until Shane went to ECW, like, when he was in NWA and WCW, he just bounced around at random tag teams. Oh, yeah. There was uh, this one. He was in a tag team with Ricky Steamboat, which was uh, something.
2: I think that was because of a lack of Dustin Rose, if I remember correctly. I oh, think.
5: well, on which side? for Was he filling in for Dustin? Or?
2: Yeah, I think he would eventually beat Steamboat and Dustin, I think.
5: Oh well, you know, because uh, when you got to replace Dustin Rhodes, man, you call in Shane <laughs> Douglas. <laughs> and uh, I'm I'm a Shane fan, by the way. I'm just putting that out there so I don't get crapped on. But Shane, uh, Shane Douglas, right? Wait, wait, what?
2: Shane Douglas, right? Yeah. Because right. Shane was Virgil and Vincent and Curly Bill. Oh, good lord! Another no, one. no, no! You got to get it right. There was, in fact, a Shane in wrestling. Uh,
5: yeah. And then the, the more th- you know,
2: there you go. Boom.
5: Well, the then the Shane was is uh, Shane McMahon. And then we've got Shane Sewell, you know, the referee from TNA that, uh, you know, became a sort of wrestler. Yeah,
2: clearly, only you remember.
5: <laughs> uh, I remember him because he was on a show we did a couple of weeks ago. Remember when he got voodooed? I do now. <laughs> uh, which, by the way, did absolutely nothing and affected nothing. It went nowhere. So there's there's that. But, you know, voodoo. What
2: the hell's going on in this intro when we were talking about Shane Sewell. Can we move on? We were the last last half. Uh, that
5: means we went down. <laughs> that means we went down a rabbit hole that ends in awesome.
2: All right. Shut the hell up. What? Uh, it's being awesome. Can we get a sponsorship from Pop Tarts? I've been enjoying their product as we speak.
5: I enjoy their product almost every damn day. So there's that. But,
2: Probably you, the best.
5: <laughs> but either way, uh, this,
2: uh, this show yeah, is working. All right. Trying to get us some sponsorship. All right. So I guess i go constantly on the lookout.
5: This show we're covering today. We're hopping forward about six years from the last show we did this this week. Actually, uh, if you listen back, we mm-hmm. covered the very first ever Starcade from 1983. It was rough. But, it,
2: only, it only had three good things.
5: <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was rough, but I mean, for, especially for that time period, I feel like it was a fine show. I, I didn't...
2: Yeah, I'm sure, I didn't, that, I'm, sure, I'm sure during that time period, it was an amazing show, actually. I, I have no oh, yeah. doubt.
5: The production value was not I'm, great, I'm
2: but... I'm Yeah,
5: right. Uh, and, and match quality was, you know, head and shoulders above most of what WWF was putting out there. But to be fair, WWF wasn't a work rate... Territory he never really was. They relied on big dudes and and characters and stuff like that. Damn so, organic. God dang it, pal! His muscles have to ripple. Oh, you say something about uh, ripply muscles, boss? Anyway,
2: don't get ahead. That's it's coming up. Hey, Maybe. I, already, you know,
5: I, I'm bringing it back to Johnny Ace. But <laughs> well,
2: it's gonna come to him quickly enough in this show. Just hell yeah, it it organically.
5: Why well, I can't I? Can't wait. All right, I'm getting excited.
2: And let me just throw but, a little bit of a teaser in there. There, there may or may not be skateboards. All right, that's all I'm gonna say.
5: Yeah, Uh, you know (laughs) the the equivalent of uh, of Darby Allen, you know, because they were they were
2: thrill seekers, dude. (sighs) (laughs) But yeah, are like idiots on skateboards, and he is just an idiot that rides a skateboard because he tries to kill himself.
5: (sighs) Well, this uh, this show we're covering today, though, is the ninth Clash of the Champions event. Took place in 1989. Uh, nine of these things took place within a two-year period, <laughs> because the very first one was in '88. Uh, so that's kind of crazy to think about. Yeah, uh, we have a handful of Clash of the Champions now in the archives. Go, go check those out. Uh, this one was New York Knockout, and when I heard that name, I, I didn't. I, I was like, well, obviously it's in New York. I'm thinking like New York City or Uniondale or you know someplace like that. Nope, Troy. Troy, New York,
2: and I feel like I was whatever days, years old when I said we should do this show. By the way, yes, I picked the show, so if anyone's got any hate, you can actually direct this at me this week. Yeah, I was like, right. where the hell, is Troy? That right sounds here. like no. <laughs> that sounds made. Right? Sounds made up.
6: Uh, Buffalo, yeah,
2: Manhattan, Brooklyn, Queens, yep. everything Buffalo, else unavailable.
5: Yeah. I guess so. Well, well, I mean, if. If uh, they were like, do you want to do it in Queens or Troy? I'd be like, whatever the other the second one was. I don't even know where it's at. Just the other one. <laughs> but either way, now <sighs> uh, we're going to be talking about all of that today. But real quick, before we dive into our first commercial break. Time out here, real quick, to let you know that the main event marks is sponsored by Swift Lifestyles. They are clean energy drinks and focus enhancers, great tasting vitamins, and big brain nootropics that are made and shipped from the USA. Go to swiftlifestyles.com and use our special promo code, main event marks, all one word, to get 15% off your order. It's main event marks, all one word, to get 15% off your order at checkout. And now that we're done with that, we're going to dive into our first break. On the other end of this, we're getting into the news and notes from the time, which, it, you know, in 1989, the territories were still kind of hanging on by it, the tiniest, thinnest of threads. So we got we got some stuff to talk about on the other end of this break.
6: Follow the Main Event Marks at Facebook.com forward slash Main Event Marks pod on Twitter at Main Event underscore Marks and on Instagram at Main Event underscore Marks and at Main Event Collector.
5: Get ready to rumble! dot redbubble.com and bonfire.com slash store slash main event
3: marks.
4: Hey gang, it's Commissioner Cooper of TSS Fantasy. We are the fantasy show of the people. Expert fantasy advice, free contests, leading expert medical and legal analysis, and most importantly, you. Interact with us on all social media platforms or check us out at tssfantasy.com. You can hear us on Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and many more. Check out the fun today and be a part of the most interactive fantasy show around, TSS Fantasy, the fantasy show of the people.
5: Main event marks are available wherever you get podcasts and on YouTube. Find all of our links on our link tree at linktr.ee/maineventmarks. And we're back. Real quick. We want to let you know that the Main Event Marks is sponsored by Shocked Energy. Shocked Energy is a healthier alternative to traditional energy drinks that gives the energy that gamers need while in a long session without skimping on their health. Their products come in a powder form and you mix them into water. You can either choose from green apple or watermelon. You can also try both if you get their sample kit. Use our special link that is down in the podcast description, or you can simply go to shockedenergy.com at checkout. Use the promo code Event, all one word, to save 10% on your order. That's promo code Event, and you're going to save 10% at checkout. Do you like your coffee like you like your podcasts? Gimmick and politics free? Well, so do we here at the main event, Marks, and so do the guys and gals at Coffee Brand Coffee where they ditch the gimmicks. You see, when you buy your coffee from other roasters, chances are that they've been sitting on the shelf for heaven knows how long. Don't rob yourself of freshness. At Coffee Brand Coffee, they roast to order, ensuring that you get the freshest coffee possible. And as Greg will tell you, that's what counts. Coffee Brand Coffee offers bagged coffee as well as K-Cups. And for the non-coffee people... They offer a variety of teas and cocos. Just click on the link down to the podcast description or go to coffeebrandcoffee.com and use our promo code Event, all one word, at checkout to get 5% off your order. That's coffeebrandcoffee.com and use the promo code Event to save 5% at checkout. News and notes time. Well, roll tide on that one, but what was that?
2: Well, we got today? the um, AquaMax Zero Sugar caffeine nice i got it at the dollar tree so hold on hold on it's not bad it tastes like faints hawaiian punch ah nice i'll take it uh, it's got no sugar i'll take it if it's this good no sugar i like it
5: yeah those are always a crap shoot when you go no sugar but
2: i had one dollar hey can't go wrong
5: <laughs> right
2: well actually sorry buck 25 move on
5: <laughs> good lord Uh, Well, fan reaction to Halloween Havoc 89 uh, continues to come in hot and heavy, with the Wrestling Observer reader poll split dramatically between thumbs up and down in a tight race. As far as a buy rate, the NWA... (laughs) I know, and that's what we're all waiting on with bated breath. Uh, As far as the buy rate, the NWA had predicted a 1.5, and in fact... They got a 1.77, which is a little over 200,000 buys and pretty damn good for what was looking like a potential disaster just a week earlier. Is this in the archives? Uh, it is. Yeah, because uh,
2: this was Flair and 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 Funk, right?
5: Yes, in that, okay. uh, what the heck, Thunder, Thunderdome, Thunderdome cage?
2: Thunderdome, yeah. yeah. Yeah,
5: I don't know how they got they away think, with that.
2: But, that was when Bruno was the ref, I believe, I want to say.
5: Uh, Tommy, Tommy Young was the referee. Uh, I remember that specifically because he had to put out fires so
2: <laughs> hold on hold on i'm pretty hold on,
5: hold on. well at least he was there i don't know if he was
2: uh, yeah this is bruno i feel like it was bruno was i remember it, it being bruno yeah. Okay.
5: uh yeah I, I don't remember i know tommy young was th-
2: this is very, It's very it's very possible possible that bruno got hit or something and he came in and did everything you said so we could both be right on this one so
5: yeah i i don't remember so, uh, somebody let me know because um i know there was a because the only reason i remember is because a joke was made by dave like when they reused the Thunderdome cage, he was like, well, they're not going to have Tommy Young there this time to stomp out fires. So, you know, they better be careful.
2: <laughs> Good God.
5: For anybody that doesn't get the joke with with that one, uh, they set off a crap ton of pyro and they had like a bunch of um, like Halloween decoration type things hanging off. Like, I thought they were like
2: wreaths or something, right? Something like
5: yeah, that. it was like um, like things you drape over to make it look creepy. That is correct. About uh, Bruno Sammartino as the Thunderdome. I, so, I, maybe Tommy Young was outside the cage. I don't know.
2: Either this way. This was the very first Halloween Havoc, so if it was another Halloween Havoc, I had to post this.
5: Yeah, right. So, <laughs> it, it, was, it was kind of rough to get through, but uh, it, it, the, the main event was
2: <laughs> yeah, just, interesting. It was generous.
5: Yeah. Well, it was Luger <laughs> versus Pillman.
2: Of Peter, not a bad, but- yeah, well, I mean, no, I'll I'll do it. Okay, it sucked. They had
5: some highlights. I, I would say about like to by match five, it started picking up a little bit. Doom and Signers were okay. Uh, Luger and Pillman was good. Uh, the Road Warriors and the Skyscrapers was fine, I guess. I don't know. It wasn't great.
2: Uh, like we're just when, running down this card. <laughs>
5: well, and right, and the main event was was I, it wasn't great, but it was it was decent. I mean, it can't completely suck when you got Flair, Sting, Funk, and Muda in there. So, but it was it was goofy just because of the stipulation they put on it. So, like I said, that Thunderdome cage was, uh, yeah. But anyway, what I was saying was the pyro lit off on top of the cage like NWA liked to do, and it caught the decorations on fire. And I remember Muda climbed up the one side and misted it out. <laughs> so that was pretty cool.
2: I mean, you know. We're going to have a use room.
5: Yeah, multi-purpose mist, man. So there you go. But, yeah, either way. So that was uh, Halloween Havoc 89. And obviously they kept that show going until the uh, very dying days of WCW. So.
2: Go listen to it. Yeah, so uh, I had fun with it. It lives today, too, so it's, it's fun.
5: Yep. But uh, this next one was... Uh, uh well if Halloween Havoc 89 didn't scare you, this might. Jim Ross. Is- oh,
2: oh, man.
5: <laughs> That's uh,
2: segue, let's go.
5: <laughs> I don't know how accurate all of like this first part is, but we'll get into it after I finish here. Uh Jim Ross is trying to convince TBS to hire an Argentinian Argentinian basketball player named Jorge Gonzalez. Oh
2: so- man.
5: So that they That's- can market him. <laughs> That's gonna pay off. So that they can market him as their own version of Andre the Giant and apparently succeeded. Uh, Gonzalez was a draft pick of the Atlanta Hawks NBA team and didn't get picked up because he wasn't in great shape and wasn't tough enough to play at that level. Ah, So hire him as a wrestler. Can't make it in the NBA. Uh, well, soon you can add wrestling to that list of stuff he's terrible at. <laughs> uh, Uncle Dave calls him a crapshoot as a wrestler. Which was putting it kindly for anybody that doesn't know, Jorge Gonzalez was giant Gonzalez, uh, El Gigante. yeah sucked,
2: so I, when I I'll don't say this, he he looked amazing. he looked intimidating. yeah, because he was gigantic I mean yeah, did, I mean, yeah looked like a just a mountain.
5: great Kali, looked intimidating too. and he if it sucked. he was better <laughs> than giant Gonzalez, but that bar was on the floor. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, I don't know.
2: Giant that's a match right there, man. <laughs>
5: uh, well, the first part, I don't know if it's entirely accurate, is uh, I don't think it was Jim Ross pitching it. I could be wrong with that, but I'm pretty sure Jim Ross passed the buck for that on to somebody else that uh, wasn't I me. I've heard
2: him multiple times, completely bury his wrestling, but say at the same time, he was the nicest dude in the entire world.
5: Yeah, I think that's the, the general consensus, was he's a super nice guy. Um but yeah. And uh downtown Bruno, uh Harvey Whippleman, whatever you want to call him, was like his handler, quote unquote, for the most part, because he wasn't great at English, he couldn't drive, so uh Bruno took care of him. So uh, Bruno non-
2: speaks Spanish or what?
5: Uh I guess well, just like things that uh Gonzalez wasn't uh like great at communicating, like Bruno would communicate it for him, because, like, like I said, he wasn't great at speaking English, so uh, Bruno kind of figured out, you know, how to speak for him and interpret or interpret for him and whatever. Uh,
2: That's Bruno's greatest accomplishment in his life.
5: Yeah, right. Well, and marrying Bertha Fay, the love of his life.
2: <laughs> well, the joke is he's partly responsible for the rise of the Rock. So. Yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, you never heard that story? He gave Rock money when he only had eight dollars in his pocket. and Rock ah, recently bought him a truck, like a brand new truck. Man. Yeah.
5: I heard I, I've never heard a bad word about Harvey Whippleman either. So here you go. I apparently they're both nice guys and he managed to uh, quietly stay employed with the WWF for a long time past uh, <laughs> what you and I even knew about. So, but yeah, the, the funniest story I heard from Jim Ross about El Higante was when he was trying to do promos with him. And he like, uh, all right, well, you know, you're, you're going to go after Ric Flair in the belt uh and you're gonna face him in the next match you know uh what what, what do you want to say he's like mm, rick flair i kill you he's like no no george you're not gonna kill anybody like it, it, we we don't we don't say that he's like no you're gonna get in the ring you're gonna wrestle what are you gonna do with him and he's like mm, rick flair i kill you and he's like no damn it george we, we're not killing people
2: <laughs> it's like the terminator you can't just go around <laughs> killing people <laughs> <You're>
5: right <laughs> uh and, and well and then right after that El Gigante told Jim Ross to give him his his uh his jacket and his glasses so there you go <laughs> but anyway uh it i heard a really disturbing story regarding uh apparently Bill Alfonso was his handler for a little while and uh on Kevin Nash's podcast they have a clip about it on on his YouTube is click this uh, podcast i'm not going to repeat it it's uh a uh, little r rated or you know maybe worse, so if anybody goes and checks that out involves uh El Gigante uh Bill alfonso and uh some some ring rats that uh you know maybe came home with uh, El Gigante, but either way
2: man that... <laughs> leave them hanging wanting more I like that smart <laughs> that... fresh podcaster right there folks
5: <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> well uh speaking of uh you know leaving them hanging and wanting more man. Uh, in the WWF, the genius apparently got a count out win over Hulk Hogan at the Saturday night main events tapings. And all the guys who put over Hogan for the past years are pissed. <laughs> Why? <sighs> because the genius sucked. I, I don't know. It's not but like it anything would out. come of this. Yeah. But it's, and it's not like anything would come about of this. Like, he literally went nowhere.
2: Oh, yeah. They're all pissed. But, you know, the check cleared.
5: Yeah, right. Shut the hell up. Also, Vince McMahon basically held a gun to the Brain Busters' heads and made them drop two straight falls to the Rockers because their contracts turned out to be completely valid, and he refused to let them out unless they went out on their backs. According to Arn, that's all BS, and they were more than willing to put everyone over on their way out.
2: So, wait, so Dave's making stuff up? No, Greg. Hashtag plans changed. Plans changed from I'm going to make you do this to you're going to tell everybody you're happy to do this. Gotcha. Exactly. All right. All right I, I, I'm sorry. I stand corrected.
5: I retract. Right, and I thought <laughs> that it was Arn Anderson holding the gun. Oh, good Lord. <laughs> uh, I like how that's become a, a meme, by the way.
2: Arn Anderson <laughs> holding the gun and we're doing scissoring on TV. It all just comes full circle.
5: Yeah, exactly. Scissor me, Arn, daddy. Shut up. Uh, Speaking of that, though, Tolly Blanchard and Arn Anderson actually, from a legal standpoint, told the WWF that they wanted out of their contracts for an offer from Japan, which is how they were able to avoid the no compete issue. Don't think that's accurate. Pretty sure Arn Anderson, in his rundown of how the whole situation happened, was he came in and he said they were making them a uh, very handsome offer down in the NWA that they couldn't pass up and they were going to go home. And, uh, well, he said, then plans did change. Oh, well, yeah. Hashtag plans change. And then Tony Blanchard got, uh, popped for, you know, cocaine or whatever the hell. And, uh, they decided to only hire Arn and cut his offer in half because they said, well, uh, you know, this sent, it was supposed to be a package deal. And now that there's only one of you, you know, we're going to, you know, you're not as valuable. So we're going to cut your offer in half. What are you going to do? Go back to Vince? <sighs>
2: it technically makes sense
5: i mean i mean it makes sense but man that's dirty like uh, you know
2: what though you do drugs you screw yourself up it's that's on you dude
5: you do but a couple things on that it's like number one why would they care about him failing a an old drug test in another company that has nothing to do with them
2: because it it can lead over to them
5: it could, but at that point then you deal with it in-house and fire his ass. Oh, hell no, hell Why would
2: you bring him in if you know it's going to be a problem? Why would you even like invite the problem in? I got to agree with them on this one. I would if I knew someone failed drug tests and like no he ain't coming. He clearly got a problem.
5: Well, it's like I would what I would have done because obviously they wanted to hire him. I would I would have given him another drug test before he came into my company. Like, well, right.
2: but then what if he starts doing it mid contract?
5: Uh, I mean, at that point, then you fire his ass. I don't know. I, I would think you have a contract. You got
2: to pay him. And I mean, I guess you can yeah. put the amendment in the contract if you do this. That's,
5: year yeah, but, that's what I would they do. that back I then. Do. I mean, you could. I mean, it was still a thing back then where you could put stuff in contracts or it's like, I mean, that kind of goes against a lot of things in a contract. So if you're doing drugs, you're not able to kinda, I know. You know, I,
2: I, do your I just job. Think they made, I think they made the right decision not hiring him because eventually he would go back. So did, did he ever go back? He was there for a couple of shows. I know he was at one of the Slamboree Legends reunions, but I mean, I don't know if that yeah. means he got hired back, but I know he was there.
5: Yeah, I don't think they ever brought him back uh, full time, if I remember correctly. So and and that effing sucked, killed, uh, kind of killed everything with them. And then, uh, well,
2: not really, because without him, they, they had uh, Paul Romo. What, what are you talking about?
5: Oh, yeah, right.
2: God, you don't know anything, dude. Sad.
5: <laughs> Good lord. <laughs> yeah, but that ended up. <laughs> <laughs> like they ended up screwing over Arn in the long run. But then it's like, it's not just like, well, okay, he's out, but we'll hire you in, you know, for what we promise you. It was, uh, we'll hire you in and we're cutting your salary in half. Yeah,
2: and then that w- part sucks. I mean.
5: And then it's like, oh, well, what are you <clears throat> going to do about it? Because they knew he couldn't run back to Vince.
2: Oh, well, he very well could have. Wasn't AWA, wasn't AWA still a thing at this time?
5: Uh, sort he's of. From we'll get Minas- into that. He's from Minnesota. Dude, nobody, nobody was getting paid by the AWA back then. Like, it's the,
2: all, right, all the, just, That's fair. I'm just, all, I'm just throwing stuff out there to be fair.
5: All the jokes uh, you and I made about, you know, people getting backed up on their checks from ECW. Man, you know, nobody talks about freaking Vern as much. Like, but hot damn, he was doing it as far as I'm aware.
6: I
2: just want to point out, by the way, this whole arm, this whole Tully thing uh, resulted in the revolving door of the four horsemen, Sting, Luger. Sid, Paul Roma. Yeah. Uh, they would eventually settle on Crispin Waugh, which wasn't right. bad, but it took them a long time, dude. <laughs>
5: yep. Yeah. The, this, this effectively made the horsemen like just more like the three horsemen. But uh, Uncle Dave Meltzer notes that the WWF is going to do their own version of the Robin Green angle with an overweight black woman who may have been a wrestler in the early 70s. First of all, Uh,
2: I'm going to assume they do. I'm assuming he's right. They do.
5: Well, Uh, to to tee it up about the Robin Green angle to anyone unfamiliar with that, because I had to look it up too. Nancy Sullivan first appeared in the NWA as a fan of Rick Steiner's named uh, Robin Green wearing a Steiner T-shirt and large glasses. She would sit in the audience and would interact with Steiner whenever he appeared. She eventually turned on him, aligning herself with Kevin Sullivan and adopting the name woman to become the manager of Doom. Uh, what he's referring to—it's
2: uh, the, te- the tag team of Doom.
5: Yes, right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, you
2: got to say it right. It's that's stupid as it is. That's what it was.
5: <laughs> right. Uh, but we'll anybody that, that wants to know who they're talking about in the WWF, it's going to be Sweet Sapphire. So there you go, uh, Uncle Dave. It was—it was not that
2: bad. It kind of worked.
5: People it worked it for a while. Yeah. Uh, it was, I mean, it was memorable, I'll say that, so.
2: Not for you, but, you weren't even
5: alive. No, but it was uh, like looking back at the old <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, tapes I, and I, stuff like that.
2: I have to be a smartass, you know that. We wouldn't be recording our show otherwise.
5: Right. Well, <laughs> speaking of smartasses. Also, Dave, I
2: aged myself just now, too, so it's a double-edged sword, so go on. <laughs> Uncle
5: Dave doesn't actually think that Hulk Hogan versus Ultimate Warrior is happening. And says to bank on Hogan versus Zeus uh, as the main event. I assume he means of WrestleMania.
2: Wow! Well, yeah. And yeah, according to Bruce Pritchard, that was the plan. And then they saw Zeus wrestle.
5: And that damn bell had to ring. <laughs> well, uh. I, I just, I love that whole thing or, uh, um, Uncle Dave like wrote about this for a while where he said, you know, when, when warrior really started heating up and everything and he said, oh, I'd be sitting in the crowd and, or, you know, out and, you know, with the fans and you'd hear all of them talk about, Oh, who's better warrior or Hogan. Oh, I can't wait to see that match. And he's like, Oh, you trust me. You don't want to see that match. It's going to suck. And it's like, shut the hell up, Dave. It's going to make a bazillion dollars.
2: It's going to sell out the uh, sky dome, which is named an American, place by the way so they went international sold it out too that's worth noting too
5: there let's get this yeah. straight there are a lot of really big built up matchups in history that were not good and drew a lot of money
2: a lot of them involved Hulk Cook <laughs> <laughs>
5: that is correct
2: <sighs> boy man some of stuff I just love how it ages so gracefully
5: <laughs> yep Oh, uh, well, you know, he, uh, you know, he, he, he knows everything, man. So, you know. Well, speaking of uh, not aging gracefully here, Vern Gagne recently made comments about Bruiser Brody's stabbing death in Puerto Rico, saying that he was, quote, getting what he deserved, end quote.
2: Wait, who said this?
5: Vern. Wow. Yeah. Uh, some other people have apparently said some similar things, although this really makes Vern look like a low class scumbag (coughs) wish someone's death over a minor business disagreement with the man. I get some of those can get kind of personal when you're dealing with money.
2: Yeah, but who the hell says that?
5: Yeah, it's like, oh, uh, he and I, you know, had some, you know, issues over money and bookings and whatever, so he deserved to die. Like, good lord, man like it's when you hear in this i don't think this was like an isolated incident for vern saying some effed up stuff like it makes you feel a little less sorry for what happens to vern later in life
2: i mean uh, I, no, I don't mean i feel sorry he died well That's, yeah that I, sucks I, um
5: right but but his like everything he worked for pretty much fell apart and then the uh you know the well, the state the state came so- in and
4: Maybe they it's what? all
2: going hand in hand. Maybe that's why he's so miserable. Everything's falling apart. Now he doesn't give a damn. Yep. I'm, I, I'm not I trying was, to make excuses. I just just saying. But.
5: And not to, I, I, I don't think this is exactly a hot take, uh, but uh, I, I think it's pretty effed up what happened with his, like the state came in and took his property by eminent domain. Like yeah, and, That was pretty rough. Yeah. And they gave him like pennies on the dollar for it. It's like, that is so effed. Like, I don't care who you are, where you live. Good grief, man. But sticking with uh, that implosion that is the AWA, Scott Norton has returned (laughs) to the AWA. I'm sure he'll explode in popularity over that move.
2: Dude, I don't know if you're a joker or not, but, man, he's, like, he's never unemployed. Yeah. Like, ever.
5: I think he still works occasionally over in Japan.
2: It's like god over there man
5: they wheel him out right along with uh uh Eugene Nagata and all them guys so come out so do a few my power show No, nah, i haven't seen him wrestle in <laughs> forever i just
2: want so. to say the name
5: uh but yeah no nagata's still pretty active over there which is crazy to think about uh norton will pop up here and there still looks phenomenal so yeah right I mean, whatever. If he goes out and gets a pop, cool. I mean, we still wheel out our old guys that can do half of what Norton can do in the ring. So, you know,
2: cool. Well, hold uh, on. Are we going to talk about our old guys being Mysterio and people like that? Because that well, guy better than ever.
5: <laughs> he and Edge and whatever are kind of the exceptions. But, like, I'm talking like...
2: well. People, uh, yeah.
5: I'm, I'm more referring to, like, you know, the Undertaker. Where it's like, you know, it's like it was kind of rough to watch his last couple of matches, but... Uh, but he's the Undertaker, so, you know, we'll always pop for him. So.
4: I mean,
2: in that respect, you kind of gotta respect Scott Blash-Norton.
5: Yep. Uh, it's moving from one crap territory to another here. And this is actually where we'll finish up, because I have a few stories for this place. Uh, moving down south in the USWA. Roll Cherry Sherry Lawler uh, defended the world title against Terry Gordy. The situation is now apparently that Lawler holds the title in some cities, but not in others, depending on how they feel that day.
2: That is so stupid.
5: So let me get this straight. You're the world champion, but only some places. How does that make sense? Um,
2: I don't know. <laughs>
5: <laughs> yeah. But uh, this was the main event of a show that drew 350 people. Not coincidentally. Man. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, good lord, and and those two legitimately drew money at one point, but right here in '89 over a well, not so world did. title. Yeah, well, yeah, Terry Gordy is a package.
2: Terry Gordy was part of a group, but he nonetheless, yeah, he did. But
5: yeah, he drew money as a free bird, and he drew money as a as a tag team wrestler in Japan. That that was it. So yeah, I don't think he ever drew money as a solo act, unless you know it was like. He was part of the Freebirds and he was having a one on one match that could draw money against like Avon Eric or something. Um, but the way. Birds are coming up. Uh, also on the show, Chris Adams was doing a squash for TV when Gary Young and Billy Travis ran in, handcuffed Adams to the rope, and then pulled off Chris's wife, Tony's skirt, and then spanked her bare ass for a TV ankle.
2: Wow. Oh. How'd that get on uh, TV?
5: In 89, I don't know. Like, I mean, they got away with some stuff here and there, but, like, this seems a little
2: that over was Bruce Bear Ash is almost on TV, too. Let's not forget. <laughs>
5: yeah, gosh. This, uh... I don't know, man. <sighs> but it was a weird territory. Uh, speaking of uh, it being a weird territory, Eric Embry has finally stepped down as the booker of the USWA because he's Who? run out of... <laughs> exactly <laughs> uh because he's run out of ideas and the jokes just write themselves
2: well stay tuned we may be experiencing that as we speak with the current wrestling place but
5: well hey you know what thank god though vince russo has never run out of good ideas so you know that there's some positivity
2: well hold on <laughs> you ever seen that meme with the uh the uh the black guy putting to his head like the yeah. smiling. I think of that. He's you know, like, you know, blah, blah, blah. When you don't, whatever. Yeah. It's like, can't run out of good ideas when you never have any good ideas. Exactly. <laughs> That's what you're saying. Bro,
5: get them <laughs> naked and roll them in pudding, bro.
2: We're going to, okay. After this, I want you to make that meme and put it online, okay?
5: <laughs> <laughs> there you go.
2: Screw <laughs> it. I will do it right now since you're hosting the show. Go for it.
5: <laughs> oh, yeah. I'll, I'll have to Photoshop something here, I <laughs> Uh, but anyway, uh, keeping that uh, with that theme, though, jobber Lou Fabiano has been rebranded as the New York Brawler. Wait,
2: who? I'm being serious. Who?
5: I don't know who this guy is. Lou Fabiano. Just some random Italian dude.
2: How did they get away with that?
5: Uh, because it's 1989 and WWF wasn't suing everybody under the sun yet. So yeah.
2: They're, they're not even trying. And uh, he people. looks like like a, a Latin doctor death. In some <laughs> of these pictures.
5: Uh, wow. So he's going to be a jobber.
2: OK. Uh, also, I'm going to talk how they got away with New York brawler. Well, for those who come on, unless you, you listen to this show, you have to know exactly what I mean. The broken brawler. But how? Right.
5: <laughs> well, uh, hold that thought here, because uh, also the original Freddy. Uh, played by Tommy Gilbert, is feuding with the imposter Freddy, played by Doug Gilbert, and yes, they're dressed like Freddy Krueger. No, I don't know how they got away with this. Oh. Yeah, they were a part of a tag team called Bad Breed, and I think the other person was dressed up like uh, Leatherface or something like that, so, yeah. (sighs) I I, I, I I don't know.
2: I have no uh, words, so I'm like, literally, I'm lost for words right now. <laughs> right. Uh, keeping, uh, keep, uh, uh,
5: keeping with the USWA and wrapping up, apparently I, I can't word today either after all of this stupidity. This is a good thing to wrap up on. Jerry Lawler had been fired as the booker of the USWA in favor of Dutch Mantell, but kept the power over his own programs. So check out this chain of events. Dutch went to SoulTaker, who was the future godfather, and fired him for being too green. And then later in the night, Lawler was going over the finish of their match and decided to put him over and thus making SoulTaker one of the only guys to go from being fired to the world champion in the same day. Wow.
2: <laughs> Never heard that story in my
4: life.
5: <laughs> wow. Oh, my gosh. As much as we make fun of TNA <sighs> and AEW and whatever, rightfully so, man, things were just awful back in the territories, in the, like in the dying days of the territories, I should say. Just, wow.
2: This sounds like uh, like a real-life version of what happened at Money in the Bank 2011. Was it 11 with Punk? Uh, yeah. So basically, he basically he's on his way out and wins the world's title. It sounds like a real-life version of that. <laughs> yeah, right.
5: yeah <laughs> Except Punk was voluntarily leaving. Soul takers don't get the app out after the smash right. tonight. <laughs> that's uh, uh
2: I that's... think he'd uh, he'd rebound nicely.
5: Yeah, right. Uh, and apparently, it's gonna he take some time actually,
2: because he's gonna come hop a shonga here soon, but it's gonna take some time. But he rebounds nicely,
5: <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, Apparently, he uh, legitimately runs strip clubs now. So, I mean, that's that's cool.
2: With the blessing of his wife, by the way.
5: Yeah, right. Like, uh, cool. Like, I guess. (laughs) I mean, whatever.
2: Hey, whatever. you a wife like the godfather has because Chloe, (laughs) she's a (laughs) she's a she's a lax one.
5: (laughs) Hey, you keep supplying the sticky icky. I'll uh, I'll keep, you know, (laughs) letting you do whatever the hell you want. He's got the good puff, man. That's all I got to say.
2: I have zero doubt on that.
5: Uh, light up a fatty for that pimp daddy
2: anyway. was like, Dude.
5: <laughs> <laughs> he smoked RVD out man <laughs> but anyway we're going to take uh, our next break <laughs> when we come back uh, I didn't think we were going to wrap up like that but we're going to dive into the clash of the champions nine right after this break
6: Follow the Main Event Marks at Facebook.com forward slash Main Event Marks pod on Twitter at Main Event underscore Marks and on Instagram at Main Event underscore Marks and at Main Event Collector.
0: By God, somebody's interrupting the Main Event Marks. Sit down, Jr. It's just me, Kyle Sullivan, a.k.a. Shaggy Von Doom, your host of Here in Puckburg on the Hockey Podcast Network. I know, a hockey show on Main Event Marks. Who would have thought this is an invasion angle? Somewhere between the Nexus, and when WCW tried to invade WWE, you know, somewhere in there. But, I'm over here just telling you that one half of your tag team champions over here, Greg, he told his story of his love for the game of hockey over on my show. And if you'd like to hear that story, all you have to do is search here in Puckberg, wherever you get your podcasts, or on YouTube. In the meantime, shagomania has gotta go run wild on some other hockey show. So, just remember, quote the Raven, Nevermore." Take your vitamins, say your prayers, and oh
4: yeah! Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?
1: Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Haha, in my dentist's
4: office.
1: Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready.
0: It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible.
1: Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme
3: weather.
0: Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.
3: Hello, everyone. My name is Ryan McCarthy, and I'm the host of the No Credentials Required podcast. Start your work week with the Monday Drop-In, where I talk about the sports beat in the Capital District, also known as the Mighty 518, as well as Metro New York sports from an upstate point of view. I also give a life lesson from a weekly sports story, so you might learn something from that. I also have a midweek podcast where I interview different sports personalities and talk about a wide array of topics. Take a listen and subscribe on your preferred podcast app, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Spreaker. Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and iHeartRadio. Also check out our social media channels on Twitter and Instagram, BellyUpNCR, and Facebook.com forward slash NCR. We're a part of the BellyUp Sports Podcast Network in association with Godzilla Media. No credentials required, where you don't need a press pass to talk sports.
5: Marks are available wherever you get podcasts and on YouTube. Find all of our links on our link tree at linktr.ee forward slash main event
6: marks.
5: (laughs) And we're back. And we're back. It's uh, time for the NWA Clash of Champions 9 New York Knockout. Took place November 15th, 1989, at the RPI Fieldhouse in Troy, New York. Total attendance 4,000. And it drew a TV rating of 4.9, which was two million five hundred thousand people. Not bad. Uh, and the show actually did better than the Clash show before and the one after. So Clash Eight did a 4.7 rating with only 2,600 people in the crowd. Clash Ten did a 4.5 rating with only three thousand in the crowd.
2: You can see why this match, well, it's a show, but the match on the show was heavily built up.
5: Oh yeah. Definitely, and
2: this could have been a pay-per-view match. That's think about that. Like, for sure. At, that, yeah. Looking back at it, why the hell wasn't this a pay-per-view match at Starcade?
5: Yeah, this but, felt uh, like the main of ev- like yeah this the main event here. The whole thing just felt like the ending of a big pay-per-view. But what is the date on this? Uh, November fifteenth. Right after Halloween Havoc, but right. they're advertising Starcade '89. A second. Uh, that was. Oh. Starcade 89 was Future Shock. Uh, back when they used to give them weird taglines.
2: All right, you said the November 15th, right? Yeah. So it's eight days before the Survivor's here. So I'm just trying to see if they're trying to do something to compete with them.
5: Yeah. Uh, apparently not. Uh, it, I don't know. But like a month later, they had Starcade. Uh That was... Was, that the, was this the first one that took place in December? Or,
2: I, I want to say it was.
5: Or maybe it was. Let me see. Oh no, I'm sorry. This uh 88 was also in December.
2: And was so, there one in 87 at all?
5: Uh, one in 87 was the last one, uh, in November. So that was. I think it was when they were trying to compete with uh, Survivor Series, or rather, Survivor Series was trying to compete with them. And uh, yeah, it uh, didn't go well for the NWA, unfortunately. Oh well, and you know, and you always bring in to, to compete with the with the other big dog in town. You always bring in your heavy hitter, Ron Garvin.
2: Rugged, Ronnie Garvin. There's a reason he's rugged, dude. Because he can go. Yeah,
5: hands of stone, baby. (laughs) Ah, man, Uh, and uh, and uh, seats of empty. But anyway, in the opening package for the show, Terry Funk says that he doesn't want Ric Flair's belt, his family, or his money. He wants his pride. And Flair says that his match with Funk. Is all about pride, which both men know a lot about. And this must have been a dream come true for Jim Ross, as he got to commentate beside Gordon Sully. But I couldn't help but wonder how loaded Gordon is right here. <laughs> they said he yeah. used to get uh, used to get loaded up before the shows, and half the time they were like they basically had to like prop him up out there, uh, which which is sad. It, it it's you know. Really bad.
2: But
5: uh, they said if they he, knew
2: about it, they kept putting him on T V. You know,
5: and they said they had to pick him up early from the uh from the airport, or he'd get loaded at the airport bar. So like they had to be there right when his plane landed, or he'd make a beeline for the airport bar and just get hammered before that's, that's picked sad. Him up. I know. Yep. That's a sad way to be, man. But Either way, uh, the first match is the fabulous Freebirds, Michael P.S. Hayes and Jimmy Jam Garvin, taking on the Road Warriors of Hawk and Animal with Paul Ellering in their corner. Uh, I will say now that Michael P.S. Hayes looked like he donated those tights after this match to Shawn Michaels when he became the Heartbreak Kid. <laughs> and uh, I, look, the entrances for this show looked cool, like pay per view quality. Like, they had a cool, like, light thing.
2: that's one of my notes for later, especially for the main event. I was like, man, these entrances are pretty cool.
5: Yeah, they had, they did the old school thing that New Japan actually did for a long time, too, is they had, like, a staircase coming down, and then it, like, flattened out. And then they had, like, this big lighting rig thing. They had pyros. It was all pretty cool. But this match goes uh, about 5 minutes, 18 seconds. The damn freebirds sure milk the hell out of their entrance. That just went yeah, on. Yeah,
2: they did like two circles.
5: Yep. Uh, the crowd went nuts for the Road Warriors. In the end, the freebirds double team Animal. Hawk comes in to make the save, but it's stopped by the ref. And Hawk just grabs the ref and tosses his little ass aside and gets disqualified. Uncle Dave gave it a dud, but I gave it two stars. What say you?
2: I gave it two. It was watchable.
5: I thought it was fine. The ending was complete BS, but I mean, match itself was fine. Ah, if you you ever hear any of those stories from, uh, uh, Jim Cornette or about Jimmy jam around this time, where he said like, he was trying to bulk up. So he was like, allegedly doing roids.
4: Allegedly.
5: So he was like, just, (laughs) he said he was like the, the most horrible person to be around. He said he was, he was blaming a lot of it on the roids. But he said he like he did not want to sell for anybody because he's like, well, I'm a big time free bird now. So, you know, and I'm all I'm getting all jacked up, so I'm not going to sell for anything. And that's when uh, around this time there was a match with uh, Dr. Death and Dr. Death got tired of it. and He picked up one of those big ass wooden chairs and just frickin shattered it over him. And uh, I guess I guess he after because he put his arm up to block the shot. So it like shattered right over his arm and effed his arm up pretty bad, and Dr. Death, like, chased him to the back. He was like, he's like, mother effer, if you're not going to sell, that's just going to happen.
2: I guess if you're on Royce, too, your brain's all messed up.
5: Yeah. (laughs) But anyway, uh, so after the match, the Road Warriors beat up the Freebirds, and then the Birds take a powder. But at ringside, Jim Ross is standing by with Gary Hart and Terry Funk. Funk says that he and Flair see eye to eye on very few things, but they both love pro wrestling. He says Flair swears he's not quitting, and he's not quitting either. Gary Hart tells uh, it says that Funk is fighting for Texas in the honor of the Funk family. Terry says that he doesn't need Gary's help or anyone's help tonight because he's the best. You always
2: notice any time
5: <laughs> you ever notice any time anybody tells their manager, I don't need you tonight. That's usually setting up for a turn. Yeah. Every time.
2: Or they did eat
5: them. Yeah, right. But uh, anyway, after the commercial break, Jim Ross welcomes Bill Apter from Pro Wrestling Illustrated to present the award for the most popular wrestler of the year in the NWA. So, you know, getting real granular, it's like, "Ah, not the most popular wrestler, just just in the show. I
2: I wonder who's going to win this.
5: Yeah, right. Well, as most years, I think this happened multiple times. It's Sting. Sting comes out to shake Bill's hand and accepts the large trophy. Uh, Sting says that maybe he should be humble, but this feels too good. After then presents the award for Pro Wrestler of the Decade in the NWA, and it's Ric Flair. Flair comes out and accepts another large trophy and talks about how great of an honor this is. So yeah. After another commercial break, we go to pre-recorded comments from a hotel room with woman. She says that she's the most powerful person in professional wrestling, and the Steiners are finished, and Doom won't be able to be stopped. She then tells Rick Steiner that she's got a big surprise rim tonight. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna talk about that. One.
2: Yeah.
5: Uh, up next is hot stuff, Eddie Gilbert. And wildfire Tommy Rich. Man, I, that's that's like a piece of unbuttered toast teeming with a tall glass of milk. <laughs> <What> the <laughs> They're going up against the team of Doom with Woman in their corner. This goes for 5 minutes and 15 seconds. In the end, one of the members of Doom lifts Rich up like in a spinebuster position. And the other member of Doom dives off the middle rope with a clothesline. They pin Rich for the win. Somebody say something about fired up. Uh, Uncle Dave gave this I'm a proud. star. <laughs> Uncle Dave gave this a star and a quarter. I, I gave it two. It's okay. What's say you?
2: I gave it one. This was terrible.
5: <laughs> Eddie Gilbert was not my cup of tea, but he was okay, I guess. Uh, Tommy Rich, I never saw a damn thing in him. So, I don't know. Doom was wearing masks at this time, by the way. For anybody who doesn't know, it's Ron Simmons and uh, Butch Reed. Oh, they'll they'll eventually get unmasked. I can't remember when that is, but yeah. Uh, Jim Gornett is hosting an interview segment where he calls in the Snyder oh, Brothers. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Just thinking about what we're going to talk about. Oh, my God.
5: Yeah, <laughs> well, <laughs> I might have to bleep myself here, but. Cornette asks what Scott's new move is called, and Rick goes full time" as he explains why he decided to call it the Frankensteiner. And Scott can do it to anyone. So <laughs> to explain why I said that about Rick, <laughs> God, uh, if anybody's heard of Rick, uh, Rick Steiner in 1989 promo, you kind of know. But he's like, eh, we were watching scary movies, and they were making faces like, eh. And when we do our moves, people in the ring, they're like, eh. And so I'm like, uh, yeah, it's like the Frankensteiners.
4: <sighs>
5: like, what the fuck did you just say? <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, man. This was at the time when Scott was the normal one. <sighs> But Scott says that there's My no
2: normal, please.
5: Uh, the normal of the two. Scott says that there's no one that they can't suplex. And even though he was taught not to hit a lady, woman is no lady. And then Rick suggests calling their mom to come slap woman around. God dang. I was like, what the F is going By the way, during this whole thing, Jim Cornette is making smart ass comments at them and they're just completely ignoring it. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was the best. Best. Ah uh, I don't know. It's it best of something. But well I should have held on to that for this one. The best is right here. It is the dynamic dudes of Johnny Ace and Shane Douglas hey, taking hey, on <laughs> taking on the Midnight Express of sweet Stan and beautiful Bobby with Jim Cornette in his corner. Uh, this goes almost nine and a half minutes. Johnny Ace actually gets the knees up to block the rocket launcher at one point before making a hot tag to Shane Douglas. Later, Jim Cornette hands a chain to Eaton. Eaton drops it. Cornette comes in and tosses the chain to the crowd like he doesn't want to cheat. Then he turns around and blasts Douglas in the back with a tennis racket, which allows Bobby to pin him for the win. Who could have foreseen? Uh, Uncle Dave I did, gave I this.
2: Did, I, did. I did. I totally did.
5: Uh, uncle dave gave this three and a half stars i gave it but lord i give it three i liked it let's say you give it two wow really two wasn't that good i thought it was i don't know i i always liked the dynamic dudes like not not the team but like i thought they were talented guys and they had a cool team dynamic gimmick was absolute hot garbage but i don't know uh, and obviously, the uh, Midnight Express were fantastic, so there's that. Hard to believe Beautiful Bobby is, uh passed away. I forget That's, that sometimes.
2: Uh, wasn't you yeah. long ago?
5: Yeah, it was just last year, wasn't it?
2: Uh, might have been earlier this year. Maybe it It's all blur nowadays. Everything just flies by.
5: Yeah. <laughs> well, the Midnight Express and Jim Cornette celebrate... Like they just got away with something and they go to the back. And now we get this. It is. Uh, hey, man, uh, buckle up. So. Shut up. Anyway, we have the Super Destroyer versus Dr. Death Steve Williams.
0: Shut up and take my money. <laughs>
5: uh, yeah. uh, this cooks, uh,
2: For those who don't know, you know who the Super Destroyer is? Uh,
5: I, I put in my notes, I say, I can't say for sure, but I'm going to go out on a limb and say that the Super Destroyer is Jack Victory. It is. Okay. He looked like him. I was like, it's got to be Jack Victory. Every random jobber under a mask in this era was Jack effing Victory. Well, he's got some size to him. Put him, put him in a mask and have him get a, get his ass beat.
2: There was a time where we were covering a lot of shows and every show had that fool on it.
5: Dude, NWA 1989 was littered with Jack Victory. He was everywhere, all at once, sometimes twice on the same show.
2: Twice on Saturday. Yeah, right. Not Uh, only twice on one show, but usually it's two different things.
5: Well, yeah, because first he would come out as, like, Jack Victory, and then he'd come out under a mask as another character, or vice versa. Like, really? He's like, all you got? Whatever. I mean, he's not, like, he's not bad. It's just like, he's not good really? enough to hold double duty.
2: I stand corrected. I thought he was a piece of
5: crap. <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, I, I will say I haven't <laughs> seen enough of his matches to judge whether or not he was good, bad, or indifferent. So I don't know. I never saw anything where I thought he was horrible. But he just came off as another random jobber. But you know what? To your to something you always go to, he managed to stay employed for a long time with multiple companies. Yes, so good for
2: did. him. Never in day of heat, to my knowledge, though. No, I don't
5: think so, which is weird because I always pulled in random jobbers. Uh, but anyway, uh, this one goes for a minute and 41 seconds. Uh, someone who is clearly Newman or Norman the Lunatic comes out as Santa Claus. I, and I say that I, when I wrote the note, they weren't saying, they're were like, oh, well, here comes Santa a little early for Christmas. And they kind of him haw around about it. And they're like, well, I think that's Norman. Like, you don't say. <laughs> Uh, uh, we'll get to him in a minute, but he's carrying a small bag. In the end, Williams hits the Oklahoma Stampede for the win. Uncle Dave gave it a star and a quarter, gave it a star and a half. Say you.
6: Star.
2: Garbage.
5: Obviously, Super Destroyer was there just as a uh, punching bag, whatever. But Dr. Death had some good fire to him and, you know, got the squash done. So, (laughs) after the match, Norman gets in the ring and hands a little teddy bear to Williams. They then put their <sighs> thumbs up in each other's faces and shout,
2: Oh! Yeah. Why? Reasons.
5: They then hug it out while Norman slips his Santa Claus hat on Dr. <sighs> Death.
2: This was ass.
5: <laughs> okay, couple things here. Number one... I said Norman the lunatic, but I guess they dropped it to just Norman at this time because they're trying to make him like basically what Eugene would become, like mentally handicapped, kind of all. Oh, he's just a a, a kind hearted guy because, you know, you can go from a, you know, you're in a psych ward and you're a lunatic that needs to be strapped down to, oh, you you know, he's just a kind hearted simpleton. (laughs) That happens. Yeah. Uh, for those that don't know, Norman would go on to be Bastion Booger, you know, which is his real life's work accomplishment there. And he will take you on a trip to the Batcave.
2: Holy hell, you said that. <laughs> that was his move, man.
5: Gotta, gotta say, he, he literally teabagged fools, and they called it a trip to the Batcave. Are you done? <sighs> I, I, all this is factual. People, People can fact check me on that one but it is true but my other thing about this is the whole like the jim duggan thing i don't get uh and then finally they're trying to build up dr death as like this this tough ass killer kind of guy so yeah have him do this stupid crap with norman the lunatic like what what did any of this accomplish
2: nothing and i, I kept putting him on tv all the time he even went through when hogan got there norman wasn't he uh, dave sullivan or is that a different guy
5: no, that's a completely different guy. Okay, no, well was...
2: it was the same thing, though. Yeah, I mean he he carried just like Hogan and had like a bear and said, "I want to be a Hulkamani." I the same thing. Yeah. So either way, it's just a different person. But they just love this crap.
5: <laughs> and then WWE loved it so much they did it again with uh, Eugene. Like, why?
2: The hell they got away with that? I'll never know.
5: Well, eventually they had to be told. I, I like how they had to be told this. By the way, quit using the R word on TV. To describe Eugene.
2: People should use that at all, but...
5: <sighs> Gosh, I just, like... Yeah, I don't know. It's like, dude, he's not... First of all, he's not, like, you know, uh, slow or whatever. I, I'm trying to think of the PC way to say that.
2: He's... Mentally disabled.
5: Yeah, mentally... Yeah, he's not mentally handicapped, mentally disabled, whatever. So, it's not even real. Which, you know, whatever, he's playing a part. But still... You're going to have people call him like, God, it's just uh, so much wrong with it. Anyway, up next, we get, I'm trying to move on here. Uh, We get the skyscrapers of Dan Spivey and Sid Vicious uh, with Theodore (laughs) Long in their corner.
2: (laughs) Assless chap, I'm sorry.
5: Hell yeah. <laughs> you know, somebody said, I can't remember when I was watching recently where somebody said they're like, you know, assless chaps is oxymoronic because all chaps are assless. I was like, I guess so, but I, I never thought I guess, about it.
2: I guess so, but it's not as funny.
5: <laughs> right. Yeah. It just sounds, yeah. The, that's what the other person said. They're like, yeah, but it just sounds funnier when you put in assless.
2: Have you ever heard Steve burn one of his standups? He said like, if I was ever in a fight, I would punch someone like my first, my first shot would be punching someone in the butthole. And he says, <laughs> I said, butt. I said, like, yeah, I have say ass, but butthole's funnier. It is. <laughs> it is. So, on, it is. <laughs> so yeah, I oh, could have yeah. said just chaps, but assless makes it funnier. Exactly.
5: Uh, well, I can't remember what comedian said, uh, you know, his first move in a fight is to just get naked because nobody wants to fight a naked dude.
2: <laughs> Sounds like a good burn too. Yeah.
5: <laughs> Anyway, uh, this is the skyscrapers taking on the Steiner brothers, Rick and Scott. This goes for six minutes eight seconds. Scott snaps off a Frankensteiner at one point to Dan Spivey, and an ugly-looking backflip slam onto Sid Vicious. I say ugly because he Daniel lands on his head. Yeah, Uh, the crowd. I thought
2: I was like, man, he's okay.
5: Well, we don't know that for sure. We've heard. Well,
2: I mean, I feel like we would have known. Like, if this was the way he came down, that would have been a big story. Oh, broke his neck. Hmm.
5: Well, no, that's not what I. I was referring to. Like, he landed on his head, and I was like, well, we have heard his promos, so maybe he wasn't fine. Oh,
2: well, okay, you know, in that respect, (laughs) then yes, okay. Now I get you.
5: Hell, we heard his promo right after this match. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Half the brain, you do. He got
5: uh, seventy-five (laughs) percent of a half percent chance that. God. Uh, anyway, uh, the crowd goes absolutely nuts for all this, by the way. Later on, Doom comes running in and Scott hits it's one of them with a Frank-
2: team of Doom.
5: Oh, excuse the F out of me. Uh, Scott hits one of them with a Frankensteiner. So we get two in the night. The ref throws the match out as everyone starts to brawl. Uncle Dave gave this three and a half stars.
2: Oh, my God.
5: I gave it two and a half for average. Let's say you.
2: I gave it two as well.
5: It was fine. Uh, I thought, like, Dan Spivey and Sid Vicious aren't exactly known for their amazing wrestling prowess. But, I mean, the match was fine. Uh, I thought they did okay. But, I don't know. It, it, they were basically there just to take Scott's Frankensteiner. There wasn't much <laughs> else. Get suplexed a lot. But, either way. I I can't, oh, I, speaking of, the, I, I know we go off on or I, I go off on a lot of tangents on this podcast here, but I thought of a story of uh, Dan Spivey here uh, from the Bill Watts era of WCW, I guess, involving somebody else that was on this show. I guess uh, when the Dynamic Dudes and the Skyscrapers were having a feud, uh, for some reason, like the Skyscrapers weren't giving them anything, and they were just like no selling, whatever, and they were called into the office, and they were, they were telling them, they were like, Spivey's not freaking selling. He's just like just like a damn brick wall. And Spivey's like, oh, I shouldn't have to sell for him. I'm I'm you know, the I'm the skyscraper and whatever. And I think it was Bill Watts was like, come in here. And he's like, or it might have been Ole Anderson. And he stands up, Johnny Ace and Dan Sever- or Dan Spivey next to each other. He's like, I look at you and I look at you. I see like a couple inches difference. He's like, start selling for him, all right? He's you're not that much bigger.
6: <laughs> and
5: and Cornet said, Spivey had a look on his face like you just like Violated his mother in front of him.
2: <laughs> wow! Yeah, was that bad? Huh?
5: Yeah, he said he was so offended that you would dare say that you know he should sell for Johnny Ace. <laughs> I mean, in his defense, I can see it. But anyway, uh, so after the match, woman takes off her high heel and hits Rick in the back of the head. Yet again, no sense, no feeling because he no sells it, and he backs woman into the corner some really tall dude with a stupid haircut comes down to save woman before the road warriors rush in to even the odds. Everything breaks Beat down. the piss
2: out of everybody.
5: <laughs> yep. Uh, potatoes flying. Uh, but everything breaks down, and uh, everybody brawls as the tall guy helps woman escape. Do you know who the F this guy is? No clue. I... Did anybody tell me who the F this guy is? I uh, I didn't so do a lot cool. of research on that, but.
2: Uh, what was his
5: name? Did we catch his name? No, they just said, oh, there's that. Okay, there's I he, thought so. He's He's, tall. Tall.
2: he's Tyler uh, May, who is Sabretooth and X-Man, and he was Michael Myers in the Rob Zombie films. Ah, uh, okay. Okay, so that's. So he's nothing. I mean, I mean yeah, clearly he's got a career. He's successful, but in wrestling, he's nothing.
5: Well, hey, man, he went on. What what are you talking about? He went on to wrestle for uh, uh, UWF.
2: I can't think of it. Herb Abrams. I like how you just helped me prove my point. I'm stuttering. I'm get
5: (laughs) He went on to wrestle for Herb Abrams, man. That means something. Mr. Electricity,
2: whose illegitimate son is running a wrestling company to this day.
5: (laughs) Mother of God.
4: Allegedly
5: uh i don't well i don't know about you and i don't think uh tony khan is ever going to yell let's hear it for the jews but I don't know, man that's it could happen not saying he is well. a
2: little bit more pc i'll give him that uh yeah <laughs> he is he is
5: hey uh anybody in aw or AEW, if you uh if you hear this by any way shape or form uh if he tells you he's got something that's going to change the industry and then he pulls out a, a brightly colored pair of cowboy boots that he had engraved run
2: (laughs) no one here it'll probably be some jean jacket that has orange cassie's name on the back or something oh
5: good lord yeah hey it this we need to get we need to get him a a a book for christmas one that uh, man that that one that i sent you a picture of hookers and blow save christmas (laughs) anyway now that we now that we went off the rails uh, after the commercial break, Jim Ross interviews the Steiners and the Road Warriors. What could possibly go wrong here?
2: Uh, Scott I gives us at a, all. Buddy. I, I, I Scott, just... i just sarcasm. I'm, I'm pissed me off sometimes. Sorry.
5: Just... Scott gives us a preview <laughs> of his flubbing promos from the future. Then the Road Warriors yell at us about Doom and the Skyscrapers and how they'll be fighting them at Starrcade 89. So there's a bunch of <laughs>
2: It's also matches. worth noting, by the way, that the rumors are on their way to the WB very soon. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, <sighs> well, the
5: uh, Star Starcade '89 was like—I think it was like some kind of like tournament or some crap.
2: Tournament, bro. Yeah, they did a lot of Starcades. You know what's
5: that? Yeah, a lot of <sighs> waste. And the main event—that
2: that goes to help Bischoff's uh, narrative that he thought Halloween Havoc was their tentpole event. Like that's. Stuff right there, kind of proves him right so.
5: Yeah. Well, and then the main event was Sting and Flare, not for the belt. You know?
2: uh, another staple of Star Yeah,
5: because that's not what they'd been building up to forever or anything like that. No, 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 no. I mean, don't get me wrong, it was cool when they did it Great American Bash, but why not here?
2: Yeah. Well, he's gonna I he's gonna get hurt out for a while and then the great american Bash is his big return from his knee injury
5: yeah they act out, oh he's not ready here just yet like why not i realized flair i think flair just won that title back like in the summer but still yeah,
2: probably yeah 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 he beat uh steamboat that's where this all started the whole, i quit after the right. steamboat match and terry funk was interviewing him and he just beat the hell out of him right and like
5: i don't know Speaking of titles, so up next, we got Alex Luger defending the NWA United go, States. Man.
2: We got a wrestling match,
5: right? <laughs> uh, he's defending the NWA United States heavyweight title against Flying Brian. This goes about 12 and a half minutes. Flying Brian hits a flying crossbody and seemingly has Luger pinned. but the referee got bumped from standing too close to the move. Brian then gets Luger rolled up in an O'Connor roll. after that, but still the referee is down. Before the referee can stand back up, though, Luger blasts Brian in the face, in the, the face, chair. hard. By the way, you heard that, MF-er. Uh, yeah, and then, Billman
2: is coming off of the Bengals just losing the Super Bowl, by the way, so he's already hurting.
5: <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, but he uh, he gets it in the face. Luger pins him, and the referee wakes up just in time to count the three. Uncle Dave coincidentally,
2: by the way, I, it's just weird how that happens.
5: Yeah, right. Uncle Dave gave this three and three quarters of a star because something shaved off. Quarter.
2: Why did you just give it four?
5: I don't know. Uh, uh, I gave it three and a half because I didn't think it was quite four stars, but I, it was better than three. Let's say you.
2: I, I just gave you both. I thought it was four. I thought this was a great, great match. I'll say this.
5: Both men uh, were jacked. Like you had two jacked, tan, blonde, pretty boys going for the U.S. title here. Like they looked like and- they've been a tag team.
2: And like, this is prime Pillman. Yes. And I've always thought Luger was good, despite what people say. Yeah, so.
5: Yep. Oh, yeah. Luger. This was prime Luger during this time, too. Mm-hmm. He was doing some great stuff with Flair and everything else. I mean, uh, here before long, he's going to step in when Sting gets hurt. <laughs> They're going to be like, ah, crap, uh, Luger. Oh, yeah.
2: He's like the original Sid. Oh, what about Luger?
5: <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, yeah, except that, I mean, yeah, Sid had the it factor, but I think Luger was a much better wrestler. Uh, so the one thing with, uh, with Luger around this time, he was a heel. But heel. Uncle Dave said that. I
2: don't you know why see, I had to do this so loud. Sorry.
5: <laughs> Uncle Dave said that uh, you could see like uh, NWA was trying to feed into some Luger chants around this time. He's like, well, it's clear that they want him to be there. They want him to replace Ric Flair. Like, that... <laughs> like why like I, I don't think so i don't know i will say this though i, I do feel bad for rick flair about one thing like man the nwa they always went back to him in the end because he was the go-to guy but it was like they were always trying to find the next rick flair <laughs> like oh we gotta we gotta get
2: he's well, not gonna last forever
5: yeah but it seems like they were always trying to replace him it's like, dude, just let it happen organically, man.
2: Ironically, <laughs> he already had his replacement in Sting. I just guess they didn't realize it.
5: Well, yes and no with that, because, like, I don't know. It seems like every time he won the title, it was just unremarkable. I don't know. Like, his title wins were remarkable. The, the ensuing reign, though, was just kind of like,
2: meh. Yeah, like, I guess I can give you that.
5: I always remember, I, like, I remember multiple title chases for Sting, I don't remember much from a Sting title reign. Kind of yeah, even his
2: uh, later days, the ACW. Even I mean, hell, even his TNA ones were only a month each.
5: Yeah, right. He's like a million time champion, and he even made a joke about that in TNA. He's like, "Oh, it's like my thirtieth title or whatever." He's like, ah, "I stopped counting. I don't remember." <laughs> <laughs> like, wow, way to make it almost so like special. It's,
2: it's almost like the Undertaker. The way we think about it, I think we've said this multiple times. He's. Obviously, great and everything, but he was never the guy. Like, right. Think about it. Undertaker was never the guy ever.
5: Yep. Big parallel. I mean, and a, and a lot of big top stuff revolved around him.
2: And yeah. He, like, think about his big reign in 1997, wrestling at 13. I mean, he's not, he only made events a couple pay per views. It's all about the Hart Foundation, Bretton Austin. So I don't yep. know, sometimes it's like certain guys who's not meant to be the guy. It's fine. There's nothing wrong with that.
5: For me, his two most memorable title reigns were, and I don't think the first one lasted that long, but the first one 48 that, hours. <laughs> <That>. Yeah. <laughs> well, n- well, not, I mean, the first one that I remember that stuck out in my mind was the Ministry of Darkness uh, run, just because, like, he was built up as, like, the top heel at the time. And the other was one I remember as
2: close as they became, uh, yeah. as he came to being the guy, but then he goes and loses on Raw, too, by the way. That's yeah. worth pointing out. Dumb. Not at a pay per view, uh, so. Well, the other, I mean, that's telling to me.
5: Well, for me, his number one top reign was when he was Big Evil with the undisputed title.
2: You he did so, headline every pay per view, yeah. Well, both three, three, but yeah.
5: Yep. Yeah. And I guess you know, I mean, there was that time when he was the world's heavyweight champion there for a bit. That was that was a pretty good run. Uh, he had some.
2: It wasn't, but again, I got to like, point out that's the other title. Like.
5: Yep. Uh, Oh, I know.
2: But like Kofi right at WrestleMania 35 is still a big deal because it was the WWE title. Because remember, Booker and Mark Henry both held the World Heavyweight title. So that alone tells me they look at it as the other title. When they like <laughs> throw a big party for Kofi, which don't get me wrong, I've loved. But like that tells you right there, oh, the World title is just the other title.
5: <laughs> yeah, right. Definitely. Well, it doesn't have the lineage of the WWE title. So there's that. But... After the match, though, Lex Luger grabs the steel chair again and slides in the ring. Try The uh, referee tries to stop him, but Luger tosses him aside before beating on Pillman's lifeless body with a chair. Uh, Luger then locks Brian in the torture rack until Sting runs down to get him to stop. Boo! This was this was a running thing where it was like Sting would just come down and be like, hey, would you stop? And he's like,
2: okay. <laughs> like, dude. Yeah. So this thing runs down. It's after birth. Something tells me we're going to see this exactly play out, play out the exact same way in a few seconds.
6: <laughs> <laughs> oh,
5: man. Oh,
2: well, man. Yeah, After this. I don't wanna, I'm not trying to get ahead with some of my notes. I'm like, dude, we just did this ending. Like, we yep. just did it the match prior. What the hell? Well, Luger grabs a mic
5: and uh, says that it's finally about time that Sting step up to him. Sting says that they used to be friends, but Lex stepped over the line, and now Sting wants to fight. He then pie-faces Luger and rips his shirt off, so you know it's, you know, getting serious now. But Luger was, is uh, apprehensive, finally leaves while being booed. Sting chases Lex down the aisle and hits him a few times, but Luger won't touch Sting, just walks off. I like how Sting gives this up after a while.
2: Running, this is a running thing with these two for many years. Yep. So, in that, in that regard, you have to kind of respect it. That is kind of long term storytelling. Oh, Sting, even when he's a heel, Sting loves his best friend. Yep. You know. well, like they, yeah. and like, the point about that, too, that I'm trying to make is like it happens here. Luger leaves the WWF. Comes back in 96 as a heel. 95. Yeah, 95. Mm -hmm. As a heel. And Sting and him, even though they're not like on the same team, they're not physically fighting and stuff. Yeah. It's just, just, I don't know. I always thought that was cool. They always kept that. Like, that's the one constant they always kept.
5: Right. Didn't these two, uh, didn't they buy a gym together? Like, weren't they business partners? Probably. I think they did. I want to say so. They were like more than just friends; like they were.
2: Oh yeah, I mean, like Sting's his day, It's one of his closest friends. Yeah,
5: yeah. that's pretty cool, though.
2: But I mean, after, Sting might have gotten him uh, to be a, a morning and Christian got him uh, his nose up. So there's that too.
5: Yep. Yeah. yeah. He needed. I don't know that's
2: a with. fact. I'm just saying it makes sense if it did happen. But
5: right. But after commercial break, we see a pre-recorded promo from Ric Flair telling us how great pro wrestling is and what the hell and I quit match even is. And that leads us into what is the main event. We're going to take our second to last break here. On the other end of this, we're going to dive into the main event. Right after this.
6: Follow the main event marks at facebook.com forward slash main event, marks pod on Twitter at main event, underscore marks and on Instagram at main event, underscore marks and at main event collector.
4: What's up, everybody? I am the hardest part of the ring, the host of the Apron Bump podcast. And I know what you're thinking. Ugh, another wrestling podcast? How many times can I listen to fans beat up on WWE and AEW? Tell me who needs a push, who doesn't need a push, who brings Vince's coffee these days. Enough! I'm just as sick of it as you are. And that's why I created the Apron Bump. The Apron Bump is about the journey, it's about nostalgia, it's about discovering new forms of wrestling to really tickle your pickle as a wrestling fan. It's about making wrestling fun again. The podcast brings you reviews of wrestling events all over the world, tying together over six different promotions spanning four different decades. And everything is chronologically in a timeline to really allow myself and all you listeners to live through these eras while having a good time doing it. Whether it's dub WWF, WWE, WCW, ECW. We even cover the golden eras of Ring of Honor, Progress, TNA, and more promotions in the future as well. New episodes every Wednesday, or as some may say, Bump Day. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Go to ApronBump.com or go to your favorite podcast platform or YouTube and subscribe today for the most diverse fan-friendly wrestling podcast in the world. I'm hard.
5: Marks are available wherever you get podcasts and on YouTube. Find all of our links on our link tree at linktr.ee forward slash main event marks. <laughs> And we're back.
0: We're back.
5: It is Rick Flair versus Terry Funk with Gary Hart in his corner in an I quit match. I forget, was this for the NWA world title or no?
2: It was because the opening of the show. They make it clear, oh, I don't care about your title, I don't want it, and all that stuff, but I believe it's for it, which is like kind of stupid to be doing this, but whatever.
5: Yeah. It's like, look, I know I'm going for your title, but I don't care about your title. Like, uh, well, cool? <laughs> it's like, well, uh, then I won't put it on the line then. How about that? <laughs> anyway, this goes for 18 and a half minutes. I love how Terry Funk trapped Ric Flair and then... Oh, I
2: wonder- I want to say something real quick. I got this Terry Funk figure is coming very soon. It's coming on sale as of recording this, this Friday. I can't wait to get oh, that. Nice.
5: Uh, this is when, uh, I, you want to talk about having a second prime, man. This is like, Funk had a real resurgence during this time. I know a lot of this was against, you know, greatest wrestler on the planet, Ric Flair, but still, I mean.
2: You also have to remember too, that at this time, like this is when like wrestling is going through a huge boom period. There's a good chance that all the regular watchers at this point never seen this guy do all of this stuff in his actual prime.
5: Right. Yeah. So it, this was, this was cool. Uh, and NWA, like WWF was kind of its own little world, like f- basically forever where it's like, they, they concentrated on who made it big in New York and in the WWF. And that was kind of it.
2: Nobody else mattered.
5: <laughs> yeah. Whereas NWA was always like, Oh, well, you know, this guy was a big deal in such and such place. Which is cool sometimes. Sometimes it feels like when somebody comes into AEW for the first time and they're like, oh, this guy is big and, you know, some SoCal indie whatever that nobody's <laughs> ever heard of. It's like, cool, I guess.
2: Hey, WWE still kind of is it to this day. Go back and watch Cody Rhodes debut at WrestleMania. He's been away for six years. Where? He's just been away. <laughs> yeah.
5: <it's laughs> I was like, how they do that, where it's like, uh, he has not. Re- I can't remember who that was. They did that with. They, they went to. Oh, they, I think they did that with like Sting, where they basically acted like he quit wrestling after WCW.
2: Yeah, yeah pretty much.
5: It's like, uh, it, he's he's been wrestling consistently on TV for the past. I don't know how many years. Like, no, no, he quit. Never wrestled again. Bro, he was gone forever, bro. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so the, it it was. It was cool. They uh, they paid tribute to some guys. Like I, th- I feel like it worked with like Funk and stuff like that.
2: Real quick, the only time I can remember them ever mentioning any other company on TV is when the LOD won the tag titles in WWE. Like, mm. They was like, "Oh, they've held these titles, the AWA and the NWA." The only team that ever do that. So that's the only time I ever wow.
5: heard. It. <laughs> Nuts. Yeah, because they hardly ever mention like AWA or anything like that. But uh, Terry Funk like. I thought it was kind of cool at one point. He like trapped Ric Flair's head like between his thighs like he was going to pile drive him. And he's like, well, if you don't say you quit, I'm going to pile drive you. And Flair wouldn't do it. So he hit him with a pile driver. I was like, see, I
2: I, I, I actually wrote that in my notes. I'm like, do you realize they they were doing stuff like threatening? Like if you don't quit, I'm going to do this. Like, man, you don't see that now.
5: I know. I always I always like that where they do the uh where they where they do the uh the threatening stuff like that because it's it's worked so many times like I've I, oh it, it worked uh remember the John Cena JBL I quit match where I he do. was like he was gonna hit him with that giant pipe and JBL was like nope, yeah, yeah, I was quit like, it was the exhaust <laughs>
2: pipe right off of a diesel? Yeah you yep. know
5: <laughs> he was like I quit don't hit me yes. <laughs> I think he hit him with it anyway after the <laughs> match but either way, uh Funk Funk pile drives him again in the aisleway. Yet still Flair won't quit. Uh Funk introduces a table into the match. Uh that doesn't really like get used at all except for <laughs> I thought it was I funny. I
2: also want to point out that's a uh, that's not a working table.
5: <laughs> no, that's like one of them WCW <laughs> not worked tables. But either way, uh, I I like he took uh he took Funk and like ran and like slid him across the table (laughs) that was funny like in those uh old westerns at a bar but either way uh nature boy starts working the legs finally working the leg of uh terry funk after so long rick locks in the figure four in the center of the ring and refuses to break uh funk finally has no choice he says i quit and loses the match uncle dave gave this five stars I gave it four. What say you?
2: I, I, I was like going back and forth on it. I like, guess I quit match in the 80s. This is five stars. Oh, I yeah, have to say was, that. I'm, I have to go. This five. was great. Because it was not intended to be a wrestling match. You got to vote. On, you got to grade it for what it is. I thought it was as perfect right. as can be. And this is me leaving out what you're about to talk about. Because, <laughs> wow. Yeah.
5: <sighs> yeah. I decided yeah. I was going
2: to end my uh, reading right there. Because it wouldn't be fair otherwise.
5: Yeah, I don't count the afterbirth in the the match rating at all. But uh, speaking of which, after the match, Gary Hart gets in, takes off his jacket and gets livid as he shouts at Funk. Uh, Terry Funk grabs a mic and says that he's a man of his word and he's going to shake Ric Flair's hand. After doing this, Gary Hart kicks uh, Funk's hurt leg out from under him. Flair attacks Gary Hart before the Great Muta and the Dragon Master rush in the ring to beat him down. I don't know who the Dragon Master is. Uh, Sting finally runs in to help Ric Flair out, hitting the Stinger Splash on Dragon Master. Flair comes back on Muta now and locks in the figure 4 while Sting locks in the Scorpion Deathlock on the Dragon Master. Lex Luger now comes back out with a chair and bashes Sting in the back. Uh, Flair attacks Luger, and then Muda attacks Flair with the chair that Luger brought out. The heels all hold Flair and beat that tar out of him, laying him out. Jim Ross tells, uh, tells us that the crowd is about to riot, and they're incensed. But our lying eyes say otherwise. As I see people standing up, but that's about it. <laughs> I don't see anybody about ready to jump the railing. Uh, we find out in the recap package that Lex Luger destroyed the trophies of Flair and Sting. Did they show that? Because I don't remember seeing. Not to it. my knowledge. Yeah, they're just like, they're like, "Oh, he destroyed the trophies." I'm like, uh, "Don't you think that'd be something you might want to show on TV?" No, maybe not. I don't know. But after the commercial break, we get uh, a yeah, wrap up. It's
2: still not over.
5: <laughs> yeah. No, we got to have more talking. Uh, uh. Wrap up from Jim Ross and Gordon Sully to end the show. And that.
2: And this afterbirth went on forever. It felt like.
5: <sighs> yep. Uh, I mean, you're not wrong. But either way, it
2: almost, almost in a way, took away from the match. Like almost. Yeah, and I really. Did that's love why the match. I made it clear I didn't. I, I just ended my rating at the match. I was like, man! Right. If you don't, this takes away from it big time. This is stupid. <laughs> this is like it's just over, overdone.
5: Well, I, I guess you can say, well, it builds up like tensions going into the pay-per-view and everybody's going to be fighting each yeah, other. I can but see that's... that like six guys and a manager. Yeah, well, Come on, well dude. My, well, my thing is, uh, what, what I was saying was like, they're like, well, you know, everybody's fighting each other and it's like, okay, cool. But that's the point is like at Starcade, there's not any like set matches, I don't think. I think it's like a round robin tournament kind of thing. So it's not even like grudge matches. It's just like... <laughs> is dumb it's a stupid way to build a pay-per-view i think but whatever either way we're gonna take Uh, our real
2: quick real quick before we go these this guy the uh dragon master he actually passed away in january
5: 2020
2: oh damn it looks like it was Uh, a heart problem
5: does it say like if he did anything else besides like did he have any other gimmicks
2: Uh, yeah early years stampede wrestling continental wrestling national wrestling alliance returned to Japan. So uh-huh. he never did anything outside the NWA, obviously, but with any of the big companies. Okay, then. All right. Well, his name was. uh, else this Kazuo Sakurada.
5: Yeah, that guy. <laughs> no disrespect. I, mean, I just. That's I a piece heard. of
2: that guy. <laughs> yeah,
5: that yeah, sucks. Uh, I I don't know. I don't know him outside of outside of this man. It's, all, no. I'll
2: check this real quick. The, the, he was in the group with Terry Funk, Dick Slater, Buzz Sawyer, the Great Muta, uh, mm-hmm. managed by Gary Hart. Group was conceived in July '89. It's a few of the Horsemen. They they disbanded in February 1990. After wow. the next Clash of the Champions.
5: How about that? Ah, Gary Hart Incorporated. I think I think it was something like that.
2: It's Gary Hart's JTEX Corporation.
5: Oh, that's it. JTEX. What the hell? Which one did you call it? Uh, Gary Hart Inc.
2: Yeah, I think that's uh, that might have been before or after. It's got Muda. And, uh, uh, he's always has Muda, but a couple of people. Right.
5: Well, we're going to take our next break. On the other end of this, we're going to tell you the final ratings and what's coming up in the future of the podcast.
6: Follow the Main Event Marks at Facebook.com forward slash Main Event Marks pod on Twitter at Main Event underscore Marks and on Instagram at Main Event underscore Marks and at Main Event Collector.
3: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening and good night. My name is Thomas and what's your name? Uh, I'm Alan. Alan. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. oh, yeah,
2: yeah. We're brothers. That's right. Yeah. yeah From the mother, Same mother and father. Your room was. Oh, we shared the room. Shared the room. We right? Shared the room. thought I knew your face. Yeah, we go way back, mate. Yeah. yeah.
3: We should do a podcast then. Uh, we have. We do we do a podcast. We do a podcast. What's it called? The Broadcast. Yeah, that was planned. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. Well, what do we do? spell it with a k so take it easy
1: hi i'm maria and i'm
0: mike and we're team Team ready.
1: ready black hills energy knows your home is where your heart is so they want you to be ready
0: it's all about keeping you safe prepared and making your home as energy efficient as possible
1: Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather.
0: Be ready for anything. Go to BlackHillsEnergy.com slash TeamReady. The Main Event Marks are
5: available wherever you get podcasts and on YouTube. Find all of our links on our link tree at LinkTr.ee forward slash (laughs) Main Event Marks. And we're back. We're back. Final time today. Uh, the final ratings here. Internet Movie Database gave the show a 7.4 out of 10. Cagematch.net gave it 6.65 out of 10. I gave it a 7 out of 10 for C, C minus. What say you?
2: I went a little higher, so B minus. That was pretty good.
5: It was obviously built around that main event. I think the last two matches were really good the rest of the show. I, had, you
2: know, I mean, I also uh, grade on the curve with shows that are not pay-per-views like this and raw and stuff, because it's kind of unfair to just these, these shows are not going to produce every great match. So I, I yeah. think that. And these were,
5: these, uh, these shows basically were almost, uh, I, I mean, it was supposed to be a, a big show that like built it's, up some stuff, but it was to help pa- to get to the next pay-per-view.
2: It's pay-per-view lights. is what
5: it is. Right. it was, well, it was meant to, like, kind of bridge the gap from pay-per-view yeah. to pay-per-view. So, I mean, sure, they did to build this
2: stuff event, But, you know, I don't know that. Right. Uh, did the Saturday Night's Main Event come f- first? I'm almost certain it did, because the first one of these was in 1988, and the first Saturday night's Main Event was in 1985, I think. Ah. Building okay. a 1, so yeah. But, I mean, okay. yeah, I think, I mean, yeah, they take t- 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 the idea, but why wouldn't you?
5: <laughs> yeah.
4: You know, pretty- I mean... <laughs>
5: Well, and, yeah, their whole thing was, well, we're going to put on a big show, like, almost like a pay-per-view style show for free on TV uh, against, you know, a pay-per-view of the WWFs, so.
2: The WWF to them.
5: Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, and then that morphed into pay-per-view after a while, but anyway, yeah, so the rest is history, but that does it for the 10th. Uh, Clash of the Champions. This will be the last one for the year. I think
2: that was the ninth Say what? This was the ninth one, I believe.
5: Or Yes, ninth. I'm sorry. Uh, This was the ninth one, and it was the final one. I trying to save you some
2: time, because I know your OCBS will go back and edit it and all that stuff. So that does it for the ninth Clash of the Champions.
5: (laughs) Right. Uh, And that'll be our last one for our year as well. We don't have any more uh, Clash of the Champions coming up in December.
2: But we do. I don't think have... there ever was one in December. To be fair,
5: mm, probably not. You might I be. don't think they
2: held them in the same month as pay per views back in the day.
5: Well, this one was in November, and then uh, coming. Oh wait, no, you're right. Yeah, because I forgot. I just mentioned how Starcade moved to December like two years before this, so or a year before this. But anyway, uh, coming up on the podcast, though, we are sticking around sort of this era of wrestling. For to round out November, they are bringing you one more Starcade. It is actually the last Starcade to take place in November, first 35-year anniversary. It's NWA Starcade 1987 Shy Town Heat, where Ric Flair and rugged Ronnie Garvin compete for the NWA World Title in a steel cage. Excited for that one.
2: <sighs> okay. I'm gonna say I'm excited to watch it to see how bad it is because I've heard of my homeless crap about it. So, mm. I guess exciting could be used as a word, or exciting could be used as a word. Sure.
5: <laughs> yeah. I like
2: educating myself on stuff, and I've never seen this. I've heard a lot of crap about it, but I've never seen it. So I got to see it.
5: Yeah. So
2: well uh, yeah
5: we'll we'll get into it next week. Um, this is also significant because. <sighs> Not Herb Abrams' UWF that I mentioned earlier, but uh, Bill Watts' original UWF was getting shut down, and they got kind of bought out by uh, Jim Crockett, who was gullible enough to believe that Bill Watts had anything of any worth in in that territory. Because for anybody who doesn't know, no, they didn't at the time. And uh, he offered it to Vince McMahon, and Vince was smart enough to say, go pound salt. (laughs) So... (laughs)
2: I like but, that compound salt. He's
5: well. He basically went to Vince and he's like, "Hey, uh, you know, you want to buy my territory, whatever, and you know, or I'll let you buy into it." And Vince was like, uh, "No, uh, I'll just wait for for your territory to die and then go and pick the bones." And he's like, "Well, whatever." And then he goes to Jim Crockett and he's like, "Well, you know, uh, uh, Vince is is interested in buying into my territory. You might want to get in on that." And Crockett uh, bought it, <laughs> and he freaking. <sighs> not not a smart businessman but either way you'll see uh twn on the ring apron for this that's the wrestling network they were trying to build between the nwa and uwf at the time and you'll see a lot of title unification matches on which is show.
2: basically more or less just i'm trying to be the nwa
5: yeah the nwa is an
2: alliance
5: <laughs> right so It's it's but Yeah, we're an alliance. We're going to unify titles, though, and only have one, which are the NWA's titles because nobody cares about the UWF. So there you go. Who cares, bro? And the reason they were the Universal Wrestling Federation, by the way, is because of the World Wrestling Federation. Where Bill Watts was like, well, what's bigger than the world? The universe. So, you know, we'll be the UWF instead of the WWF. Like, cool, Bill. (laughs) Clever.
2: Tell me who tell me who cares about the damn name.
5: Yeah, he literally renamed his entire territory to quote unquote stick it to Vince. And I don't think anybody gave a damn. (laughs) Well, clearly nobody gave a damn, but either way. Uh, That is coming up next week. That'll round out November. Can't believe we're already in the Christmas season, man. Or for our Jewish listeners, the Hanukkah season.
2: Hey, one of the days of Hanukkah is on Christmas this year, so they coincide.
5: Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, I, I know you told me that was it the first day of Hanukkah falls on Christmas or something oh, like I that? I think
2: it's the sixth. Let me see. Is it? Yeah,
5: okay. Hanukkah. Oh. Hanukkah starts on the 19th. So, yeah, eight eight days of Hanukkah. So that would be, yeah, like the sixth day, yeah. I guess.
2: Yeah, it ends on it ends the day after Christmas.
5: Yeah. So there you go, and then uh, Kwanzaa is on the twenty sixth as well. So for anybody that knows what you know what that even is, but there you go. So all the holidays are kind of converging, converging around the same time so to 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 do that big mega powers handshake, if you will.
3: Lock it in Hanukkah. Oh Jesus Welcome and to David, Christmas. lock
2: it in, lock it in.
5: <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, to, Get, the, get Jesus and Moses to lock hands and shake it out, brother. We're
2: going to get this one day when, when Seth Rollins and MJF shake hands. Don't worry. We're going to be good.
5: Good Lord. But either way, to tell you what's coming up in December,
2: closing
5: out the year. Oh, it's about time. Because, you know, everything just changes on, on January 1st, Greg.
2: Yeah, yeah. I love that. Oh, so glad well, this the year is over. <laughs> yeah. I, I've... How does that mean? Do you think, like, your debts go away and stuff? And people are stupid when they say, oh, you now you, know you piss me off. Well, not, okay. let me move track that. You didn't piss me off. You just irritated me. Well, I hate when people do that my, crap.
5: My wife is one of them where, like, her her mom had shared something about, oh, 2023 is right around the corner. And she's like, oh, I can't wait. And I'm like, why? <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be different in a month.
2: The last number you put on the, on the year, I don't know.
5: <laughs> yeah, I
2: Pod. i didn't get used to that until about february or march so no nothing changed
5: <laughs> yeah right <laughs> either way oh, uh, yes.
2: I, didn't to, I didn't know we had i didn't know we hadn't agreed on that
5: <laughs> yeah it's just it's, it's just weird I, it's
2: like um, even
5: okay even in election years like this year if you know some people are like oh well you know the new politician they don't even come in until like february so not even that's going to change in january <laughs> American politics, by the Uh, way, for any of you outside of the country. Uh, But going through December here, rounding out the month, it is a five-show month, uh, if we include the bonus show. So uh, first, we've got TNA Turning Point 2007 to finish out the calendar uh, year for TNA.
2: I don't want to get ahead, but...
5: uh, I haven't seen it yet, so I don't know. I don't know if it's good, bad, or indifferent.
2: Uh, keep hopes low. You'll be fine.
5: <laughs> <laughs> Very excited to dive into two, uh, 2023 with you, though, because we're filling out the calendar. It, it's odd how much I have filled out of it already, but there are a lot of holes. Giggity! We'll bring you. We'll bring an update in December about what's coming up in January. That as as I speak, we have a like a skeleton of of what the schedule is going to look like, but we're still filling it in. Thank you for joining me today, Greg. Yep. We'll see you all next week when we bring you NWA Starcade 1987 Shy Town Heat.